A Vegas magician has a special gift to look two minutes into his future, a gift which puts them in the crosshairs of the FBI, who are attempting to stop a group of terrorists from activating a bomb in L.A., and the very highly on terrorist organization itself. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Lugier. I'm Connor Esgieri. And welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. Today we will be talking about 2007's action sci-fi, a little bit of a love story too, I guess. Nicolas Cage starring film Next. Um, and one which also with that marked a trend of box office bombs and being pretty hated by the critics for the ones that did actually make it to the theaters. A lot of these did actually go straight to DVD. That's not the point though today. Um, with that said, I'll shoot it over to you for the, for the scores and whatnot. Yeah. Next was the beginning of the end for Nick Cage's uh, box office success. It took a long time for him to have a, another hit under his belt. Uh, but you know what? Well, no, it is, it is kind of his fault. I mean, he didn't budget very well. He tr- put his trust in the wrong people. And, uh, you know, we saw what happened. Next has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 28%, audience score of 53%. Critics' consensus reads, numerous plot holes and poorly motivated characters prevent Next from being the thought-provoking sci-fi flick it could have been. Uh, yeah, fair enough. It also, you know, comes from ignoring the source material and just doing whatever the hell they wanted, regardless of uh, plot convenience. But, you know, Cage found his way back from the, you know, he climbed his way out of that hole and here he is uh, better than ever. So everything, you know, everything worked out. Exactly. And um, this actually is my question of the, of the week. So trying to trademark what I want to call it. But uh, that is essentially uh, what are your thoughts? And in a way, can I talk about like this particular era of Cage's career and his uh, recent World of comebacks? I know we talk about Cage a lot, especially in regards to the films we love, but I don't think we've really gone into depth on this part of his career. Paycheck era. Yeah. Um, a while back when I did... Uh, Austin and I did Leaving Las Vegas on the Oscar Sunday podcast. I made it my mission to watch all of his critically acclaimed work because I wanted to have a well-rounded, you know, sense of who Cage was as an actor around 95. And I've seen pretty much every film he's done that people liked. I have yet to really tap into the like decade of shit. Uh, I've seen a couple of them. I've seen Seeking Justice, which was better than I expected it to be, but still, you know, ridiculous. Uh, Knowing, which I really like. Uh, Trying to think of more. Um, Pray the Ghost, Left Behind. Nope, nope. (laughs) Uh, Here, let me see. I've got uh, a letter. Rage didn't see. Um, 
Trespass. A lot of one word, one word titles. I did see Trespass. That that was that wasn't bad. Um, Army of One. I liked. Uh, Drive Angry was ridiculous. I don't care. Give a fuck what people say. Drive Angry is awesome. I it's, love Drive Angry. It's a fun movie. Um, I have trouble watching it now because of the you know walking nightmare that is Amber Heard. Um, uh, Dog Eat Dog, which I had high hopes for because it was Cage and Willem Dafoe, and that was fucking terrible. <laughs> I've heard really bad things about that. It was really bad. Um, Mom and Dad, which we both really like. Um, USS Indianapolis, Men of Courage. Uh, making a movie about the USS Indianapolis was was a good idea, I thought giving it to Mario Van Peebles because he was like one of the guys from Jaws 4 was not really a great idea. Uh, The CGI sucked, but I thought Cage really committed to that thing. And that's another thing. Every performance he did during this era, he doesn't half-ass it. He really does commit. And he keeps these movies interesting. Well, he he said that very like a week or two ago. He said like, he very graciously, I thought, was like, hey, I'm not going to shit on those movies. He goes, I, I never phoned it in for them. I gave it my all still. So I, I really respect that, even though, like, yeah, there's a lot of crap in this part of his career to pay it off. I would actually argue Mom and Dad was, like, the beginning of him getting better films and starting to get on the comeback. I know, like, technically you could argue, like, Manny was very much his comeback film. I'd say Mom and Dad was the proto-comeback film for me. Like, I really liked Mom and Dad. Well, well, in that, you know, in that zone, he's got the occasional critically acclaimed film like Joe or Kick-Ass. So it wasn't entirely just, you know, negative response. It was just he didn't really have the opportunity to be choosy. He he took what he could get because he needed the money, which we've all been there. We've all taken shit jobs for money. His was just on a much more public scale. Yeah, I'll say that because Kick-Ass, he's one of the fucking best parts. to really just awesome movie in general. He's one of the absolute best parts. to that movie and um shit was on when you said joe joe oh joe was wonderful I, I watched that on a whim one day and i was like holy shit this is good yeah great drama a good reminder that you know he's still academy award winner nicholas cage like no one's taken that away from him he is a critically acclaimed actor who, who was once the toast of hollywood and is now kind of the toast of film fans like he's he's doing it almost for us now which is great and yeah, uh yeah, I appreciate that. Well, so I remember reading in an interview somewhere, he made that comment. This was well before, like, obviously, like, Pig and Mandy, or actually after Mandy, but well before Pig and now Unbearable Weight coming out um, this weekend. Uh, he made a comment that he goes, you know, he said, if I never have work in Hollywood again and become that A-list, he goes, I'm fine with that. He's He made a comment, he's like, I'm much more happy working in the independent scene and getting the freedom to do what I want and work with really exciting talent. So this guy, like, I just have, like, the most respect that, like, during essentially his, in, in, in all fairness, I know, like, we kind of give Cage, Cage has a lot of shit for that part, this part of his career, but what actor, most actors have a shit couple of years. Like, it happens almost all of them. Yeah. It, it, it just happens. Um, but to his credit, unlike a lot of them, he has been nothing but kind to the filmmakers. Um, he's had, he didn't, he never talked to about any of the people he worked with during his paycheck era. He's been more than kind to 
work with these unknown independent guys in his recent like comeback era and give them, you know, essentially Nicolas Cage. You know, he's coming out saying, hey, you got Nicolas Cage, you're getting Nicolas Cage. Um, and I, I really respect that. Like, this is a guy that by all accounts could phone it in because he's, for those of you who don't know, and if you're listening to this and you don't know, I, I have questions about your phone fandom. It's technically Nicholas Coppola. Um, yeah. He is a part of the Coppola. So he is, I think, Francis Ford is his uncle, if I recall correctly. Yep. Yeah. So he he already has money. He technically already fucking had money in the family. He could have phoned this shit in. But this is a guy that really enjoys acting, loves acting, and does it for the craft, does it for the art. And for him, he doesn't have this snobbish attitude of like, well, I'm part of a successful Hollywood family and I am actor Nicolas Cage. So I can only work with certain people. He's like, no, bring your movie scripts to me. Like, I will commit to your movie, whether you're fucking Monster Sezzi or, you know, a first time old pig. Like, it doesn't matter. You're going to get Nicolas Cage in both scenarios. I just, I have absolute respect for that. I also love that he never really, like, he, he didn't get angry about it. Like he had every you know opportunity to kind of turn this into a, like a bitter, you know, my career's over. So fuck the world kind of vibe, but no, he went very much like, yeah, I gotta be a little bit more, you know, I gotta be less choosy here, but I'm still making movies and people still want to see them. And he seems really grateful for the fact that like fans never really abandoned him. And I think that he, he had a moment of like, you know, Hollywood left him in the dust. So he, he knows where his loyalties lie and he knows like who's like who, who took care of his career almost. And I just, I love that he never, uh, he never let it hurt who he was as a person, Mm. Uh, which is awesome. A lot of people don't do that. I mean, look what happened to Mel Gibson. (laughs) He's so trying to get Hollywood's favor back. And it's like, dude, it's not happening. I mean, Nick Cage made some bad investments. You got anti-Semitic on camera. There's a big difference. (laughs) Huge difference. But I I just like when this happens, you know, you're kind of, you're seeing it and everyone was seeing it with his uh, Brendan Fraser, right? Like someone who was by all accounts, a real swell dude in the business. And like you said, he easily could have been fucking angry person. Just, you know, fuck this business, you know, and everything. But instead, he, he stayed headstrong, saw that, hey, at the end of the day, the, there are people still seeing my movie. The fans are keeping me afloat. They still want to see me. And, I, and I, you know, he still really enjoys acting. And because of it, he's had, been having a great resurgence. I mean, he has Doom Patrol. He was in the recent, you know, Soderbergh movie. He's going to be in the upcoming Scorsese film. Like, you know, I've, you know, whenever, I know we've talked about it, but I've heard from a lot of fans online that they would love to see him, even if he's, still looks the way he does like just have a little cameo in a mummy movie would be great like so he still has that love and i just really respect actors that like kind of like can be humble like that because you see like you know the fans we we want you to succeed so they're like well okay hollywood fucks me but i'm gonna do it for the fans at least well you know everyone has their these guys have their rock bottom moment and i'm sure you know with brendan fraser it was you know getting groped by a executive and then with cage i would probably pay the ghost but they they don't let you know they have a moment of like this is it this is the end of my career and they can either soldier up and 
refuse to accept that or they can just let it wash over them and just lose the charisma. And they never let that happen. They never lost the charisma. They never lost the skill. They never lost the talent. And I'm excited to see where these guys go from here because it looks like, you know, Brendan Frazier is going to be the bad guy in Batgirl, which is going to be big for him. He's going to be, you know, in Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Cage is doing, you know, the unbearable weight of massive talent, which comes out tomorrow, recording this early. And it's looking like it's going to be a huge success for him. So, like, what happens next? And, yeah, it's just we as, a fa- we as fans get to just kind of, you know, ex- watch this happen. And it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's like, you know, in between all that news about, you know, the Will Smith stuff, I get the comfort of knowing that, hey, Cage is having his comeback. Frazier is having his comeback. Like, fucking Keanu Reeves, technically, is kind of having his comeback. Thanks to John Wick franchise. Like, actors I really, really like. Yeah. They seem like genuinely good human beings that just love to do what they do or having their time to shine like they should be. Yeah, I like knowing that you know certain actors are also decent people. And that's cool. These three guys, you know, Nicolas Cage, Brendan Fraser, Keanu Reeves are reportedly just some of the nicest. And now we know Will Smith's a huge prick. So it's interesting to know, you know, to see behind the curtain. And sometimes, you know, there is no curtain. And I feel like with Nick Cage, he's very open about who he is. Like, oh, yeah. I, I don't think there's a curtain. No. Um, uh, I think it was Joe Lynch said he was, they, I forgot who they were doing an interview with, but it was someone that had worked with Nicolas Cage. And it was, it was either from Omidad or Mandy or from one of these movies, one of these other, or Pig or something. Like one of these films was like the first time director and they were like, holy shit, we got Cage. And apparently they were like really like worried and you know freaking out. And apparently they said when he came to set, he came with notes on like character motivation, what he thinks about this part, like literally notes. And I was like, hey, can I? I just want to talk. This is what I kind of came up with. I want to see what you think. And they were like, what the fuck? And they made they made the comment that they've you know Joe Lynch has heard from a lot of people that like with Cage, it's like I said, he he doesn't give a fuck if you're a first time director. Like for him, it's you want me to do your movie? I like your script. Cool. He, he said, they said, like, every phone he does, he comes in with his notes. He's like, he's read the script. He's done his homework. He wants to go to the record and be like, okay, so this is what I came up with. How do you feel? Like, he, it's it's a collaborative process for him to figure out the character. What I'm sure he knows the ad benefit. His name's attached to it. Yeah. But I love that that, that level of commitment shines through every time. For me, like, what, what won me over for good was when I heard about Cage Fest. And that, you know, Alamo Drafthouse's yearly celebration of Nicolas Cage movies they used to have before the pandemic. I really hope they, re- they resume that, where Nicolas Cage himself would come to Austin and do and curate a selection of, I think, five of his movies, and they would watch them. And he would do Q&A and talk to the fans and, like, watch the movies with the fans. And, you know, he just I saw a video of him with, like, a drink in his hand just a- answering questions about his career. And just, I love the guy who's like, what do you say to the haters out there who you know, disagree with, you know, don't want to see you succeed. And Cage just goes, you just don't know what you're missing. Like, it's fucking awesome. This dude's the be- the man. I, nothing but respect for Nicolas Cage, straight up. Yeah. I've, I've never lost faith. I've said that on a few of these shows, but I want that note. Not once did I lose faith. Well, saying he's having a recent resurgence with that because he did an AMA where apparently they asked him, like, hey, you know, what's, like, one film you kind of cringe or something like that when you hear fans quote? Apparently his response was, like, I never – He's like, I'm just happy that fans know my m- movies well enough to quote them. Oh, I was like, God damn it. Like, 
<laughs> I was like, am I about to cry? Because I feel like it. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I I wonder how many people after unbearable weight comes out are going to scream at him, Nick fucking Cage. <laughs> like, that's going to be, he's going to hear that a lot. <laughs> like there's a lot in this movie that's really going to make us go, that's right, Nicholas fucking Cage. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, and yeah, this, that's why we decided to do one of his uh, less than savory films for this show. You know, we're not yes. shitting on Cage, we're shitting on Next. Yes. Let that be known with like any Nicolas Cage. And now because of the unfortunate news that came about um, any Bruce Willis um, mm-hmm. film, um, it's not shitting on Bruce Willis who is suffering from a very horrendous um, brain disease. It's just the film. Yeah. We're not going to shit on people for, you know, making bad career decision- decisions or having illnesses. We're going to shit on them for being pricks like Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. So that's that that's a, a blanket statement for all four of our shows. Just if we're gonna shit on people, it's gonna be for being assholes, not for you know their own personal problems. Yeah. And as I've said before, Bruce Wells, I hope you're living a comfortable life for your family. Mm, yeah. Damn. But next. Next. Let's that now that we've had a little fun talking about this Eric Cage's career, because like I so said, we don't really touch on it in our podcast since we're not really picking the bad films. We're picking like the films we really like from Cage. It's like the you know the the era that must not be discussed on the other shows. Like you know, right here is the playground for you know the shit movies. So yeah, you know what you know what film I almost thought about picking. I'll say it right now. I almost put it down. But. That's that feels like it's going to be like a spec, like an episode, like an episode 25 or 50 kind of deal. <laughs> Wicker Man's a big be, deal. It is because look, I understand that movie's terrible, but it's to me, it's so bad it's good. Like, I can't help but just fucking laugh my ass off when I watch that movie. Well, I was, I was listening to him talk about it, and apparently he played it like a comedy, which is hilarious. Like, he read that as a parody movie. So he played it as a parody movie, but no one else got that message. <laughs> I feel the director probably was too scared to say anything. I feel like had he just told him, like, dude, it's not a comedy, he'd be like, oh, my bad. Well, when you've got Nicolas Cage playing it silly and you've got Ellen Burstyn playing it serious, who are you going to tell, like, is wrong? Who are you going to say that to? At that point, you're just looking at your monitor, just like, oh, fuck. We'll, we'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> no no but that the movie i did pick known as next which i still think is a terrible title a little bit of development on this one and most of the development will be focused on the script because this had a pretty smooth production pretty smooth post-production or minus some date a random thing that happened with the the distribution towards the end a little hiccup but the main thing was the script um this is adapted from an original short story by Philip K. Dick, known as The Golden Man, for those who are wondering. If you've seen Total Recall uh, with Schwarzenegger, that's a Philip K. Dick uh, adaptation. I want to say Blade Runner, but I might be fucking wrong. No, okay, Blade Runner. So if you've seen those two iconic fucking titans of cinema right there, you've seen a little Philip K. Dick in your life. I think um, Minority Report's one of his, too. Is it? I think so. 
Maybe I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too certain on that. Yeah. Why are you looking up? I'm moving forward. Okay. Um, but based on Philip K. Dick's uh, short story called "The Golden Man," the uh, original script script treatment was presented at uh, Cage's production company, Saturn Films. It was. It was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you've seen those three films, you've seen adaptations of Philip K. Dick. I'm gonna tell you right now, almost none of the adaptations are super close. Um. Because he, he gets a bit weird. I'll say it like that. And even though I would argue actually to a recall, and that regard is probably the closest because it's a fucking weird film, but I like it. I know you're you you hate that movie. I don't hate it, I just I think it's stupid. I like it so. Um so with that said, I was able to again get some uh, a good deal of info on the original script. So Originally, it was more in line with the short story of a government agency attempting to capture and contain a precognitive mutant. Yes, you're right, not a human, a mutant. Again, Philip K. fucking dick, people. Um, they did change the character of Chris without the H from a feral animal whose mere existence threatens humanity to just a regular social outcast. So that was changed in the scripts. Because I guess, you know, we don't want to follow a fucking feral animal in live action, even though. Some films would tell me otherwise. <laughs> uh, character Liz Cooper was not in the short story. She was added as a romantic subplot who was destined to be the love of Chris's life. Um, she was also a mutant who was incapable of having children except when she magically gets her Chris. Also, and she can have children with him. Of course. Well, I mean, it is Nicolas Cage. That man's dick is probably magical. Virile as fuck. I will say it right now. I mean, he's wearing a bear all. We saw his bear, like 50 something year old ass in prison as a ghost land. He's not ashamed of his body one bit. Not, I, I feel like there's very little Nicolas Cage is ashamed of. <laughs> he, he doesn't care. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm betting, I'm hoping for some full frontal and unbearable weight of massive talent. Like, I want to know, like, where's the confidence come from? The hugest dick and we've ever seen. The I would not be not surprised. <laughs> My God. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like most of Phil K. Dick's work, he uh, was with, and it really with sci-fi in general. Obviously, there's always like a strong. There's usually some kind of um, theme running through it, especially with uh, Mr. Dick here. I really like that his last name is Dick. Um, the short story had a theme of racist paranoia. So that's what that was working off. So one could assume then his short story was tackling racism. Cool. They didn't want to do that, apparently. Because, um, you know, this was pre-like Hollywood getting called out for, you know, a whole lot of shit anyway. Um, so they changed it to themes of anti-authoritarian, which in a way you could argue... Kind of matches with a lot of dumbasses' mindsets today. I don't see it. <laughs> In next, I don't. I don't see that. Well, again, this is the original script. Calm down. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm still on the original script here. I do love that they decided to just abandon the the, the races, the anti-racism thing, and just give us an all-white cast. I love that. Right. That's why I was like, <laughs> of course, before they were getting called out for diversity and. Molestation and all sorts of shit. They're like, you're the racist paranoia theme. Like everyone white, 
anti-authoritarian. Fuck the government. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. We'll whip it up. God. <laughs> Phil Dick did not, probably not, did not appreciate a lot of these films. No. No, he probably did not. But he was willing to let them make fucking movies. Probably because he was like, fuck it, I'll get money out of it. I think he died in the 80s, but yeah. Oh, well. His grave got money. Um, with that change, uh, meant that involved making the antagonist, which was literally the Department of Homeland Security. Ooh. Yeah. Um, absolutely ruthless by enjoying the torturing and murdering of innocent civilians for the means of that all-encompassing term, the greater good. Yeah, I can see why they had to trim that down. <laughs> um. Hard to root for anybody when the government is like torturing innocent people and your main guy just doesn't want to help anybody. It's like, who do you yeah. root for in this movie? <laughs> Almost no one. And then finally, to wrap up this fucking original script, uh, how it ends would be the DHS for Homeland Security. Captures Liz, Chris takes them on, murders a whole bunch of them and demolishes the headquarters with the bomb. Thus, making it through him and Liz, the only two survivors. Yeah, um, probably, you know, bombing Homeland Security, uh, probably not a good idea. Probably not going to fly. Uh, definitely some backlash on that one, I imagine. I can only imagine. I mean, I mean, but we got Fight Club that bombed fucking banks at the end of the movie. True, but Fight Club came out before 9 11. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, there's my. That was the implication I was trying to push out there, but I guess I wasn't straightforward enough. You you know me. <laughs> True. I'll I'll use smaller words next time. Thank you. <laughs> That's all I ask. <sighs> but with that, with with this amazing script, um, this was a script that got handed over to Siren Films. Apparently they looked at it and said, let's extensively rewrite this script and remove the anti-authoritarian themes completely. You'd think that you know, in those rewrites, they could have maybe given us a villain with a name. Maybe. Because, yeah. no, what they did was this. They made Chris apparently less sympathetic. <laughs> so they were That's like, true. yeah, let's, let's make it to where we don't like him at all. Um, you're probably wondering, well, what about Homeland Security? They're not, I mean, that's because they got replaced with the FBI, the other big organization that has been such a hit and miss with the American public, you know? Um, and a confrontation with the terrorists for some reason was removed. So there was confrontation with these terrorists and they removed it from the script. Weird. Like, so is our bad guy just supposed to just be like, I don't know, like an abstract idea of, I don't know, don't fuck with my Vegas show. I, I don't know. I don't know. All it did was give us like no motivation for the bad guys. And apparently hints of an unseen leader, but I was like, when were the hints made of an unseen leader? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that at all. If anything, the terrorists were just there because they needed to finish this thing off. Because the whole movie is just like, why won't you help us? And he's like, leave me alone. That's why. I can only see two minutes in the future. My future. Go away. Except when I'm touching Jessica Biel, in which case I can see for years. For years. 
and I can also develop new powers with it. Oh my god! Yeah, I can't wait to get into the to the meat of that. But yeah, this. I wonder if those plot holes were in the first draft, or if the studio was just like, "Fuck it, we need a product, so write something fast." Well, that's where I say, like, I remember when I, when I texted you, and I was like, "It just felt like there was like no." Cause I didn't look at the time. I was like, "There was no fucking." Like, there's so much shit just left unexplored. As soon as I was looking at this, I was like, oh, well, that's why. Apparently, they were like, let's completely rewrite our initial draft of the script we turned in, but not bother to, like, actually, like, if we're going to drop shit, now we have to make something else make sense type of deal. Yeah, that's how it works. If you're going to take away, you got to add something else to compensate. But they didn't get that message. No, they're like, so we take away and that's it, right? That's all we have to do. Unreal unreal but you know I, I think it's funny that they tried to make the character of chris johnson unsympathetic but then they brought nick cage on and he made the character likable because that's what he does he's nick fucking cage yeah it's impossible any character he's ever played you want him to succeed I offhand i can't think of like has he played any villains no but that'd be kind of badass you could argue some of his recent turns and like mom and dad when he wants to kill his kids was villainous, but he yeah. made that so goddamn entertaining. It was hard not to enjoy. Fucking um, face off. We're fucking idiots. We just did face wow. off. We did do face <laughs> off. I think it's because again, he makes Caster Troy so fucking likable. It's like, yeah. God damn it. Um, <laughs> oh, something I was thinking of. Oh, Color Outer Space when like the, the alien parasites taking over. Yeah. I'd count Vampire's Kiss. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. I mean, he does rape his secretary. That's pretty fucking evil. That's that's evil. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, most of the time, not really. No, I would say the upcoming Renfield, but the way it's sounding is like he's going to be really fucking funny in that movie. So yeah, I think he's just going to be you know kind of a goofy Count Chocula style Dracula, which is fine. Can't wait. God, I can't wait. The movie was in like development for the longest fucking time. Nicholas Holt has been attached to it for years. And I was like, it's never fucking happening. You don't keep talking about it. It's never going to happen. Next thing you know, hey, script's complete. Hey, we're scheduled to shoot this year. Hey, Nicholas fucking Cage is playing Dracula. And I was like, all right, you got my attention. <laughs> Give me this movie now. We are going to do so much Dracula shit on our shows when that comes out. Good thing you got that Universal set. I can oh, yeah. I'm excited. Can't wait. But yeah, um, he just has this charisma where you want to see his character succeed. Even when he's a terrorist trying to blow up LA, you're like, well, maybe he'll, maybe he'll pull this off. <laughs> maybe he'll win. <laughs> Let's find out. Oh, funny. Uh, well, this script that we just talked about, I just talked about really, uh, this is what was taken to Cage's company, Saturn. And they were like, yep, this script, this is the movie we want. This is what's getting made. And that is the film that got made. Mm. Was that well, fucking script? This was 2007. It's not like Cage was able to be like, no, next. You had to be like, yes, next. <laughs> yeah. Um, from there, there was really no issues with this film. Um, they only had one final hiccup prior to the film's release. All right, so this was originally set to be distributed by Saturn Pictures Entertainment because they had a deal with Revolution, who Saturn had deal partnered with to release this um, in September of 2006. Without any fucking warning, they just 
dumped it instead of January 2007. Not like dumping it in theaters. Like, they literally just fucking let go of the film. They're like, yeah, no, not doing it. Well, I mean, they probably watched it and were like, we're not going to make a fucking dime off this piece of shit. <laughs> they watched the dailies and were just like, this isn't getting better. It's getting worse. Yeah. Well, if they were just like, someone's like, should we tell them or just, no, 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 just dump it. All right. We're, we're the head honchos here, guys. All right. They don't even have to see us. We just dump it. We ignore all phone calls. Stay locked up in our office. No, no big deal. We'll move on to the next thing. It's hilarious to me how how far people will go to avoid confrontation. And I bet that's what happened. I bet they're like, nobody wants to say we're going to can this movie. They're just going to let them make it and then just release it and not answer the phone. Yep. <laughs> I would be like that, actually. I say, I'm like, God, that sounds terrible. But there'd be a part of me like that. I'd be like, I'll just dump it. It's fine. I just want to answer the phone. Reminds me of the movie Up in the Air, where people hire George Clooney to fire people from their company because they don't want to face them. So they hire firers to come and fire their employees for them. Okay, I would actually really like that job. It's a great movie. It's I don't know if you've seen it. It's really funny. I haven't, but I would love a job where they're like, you just want me to go to this place and fire someone, and I walk away. Well, he right, that's right. the gag. Like, it's Cl- Clooney loves his life so much. He lives in he lives in hotels and he flies all the time. He goes all over the country. He has a plan and he just he fires and then he goes to the next place. Like he's he loves it so much. That'd be great. Yeah, it's it's great. It's a great movie. Uh, but yeah, it's just people don't like confrontation. And I think it's funny that even the studios who have all the power will be like, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. It's like, eh, messy. I don't want to hurt any feelings. Yeah. Yeah. But at first, like, oh, Nicholas Cage was Camille. Like, because that was probably back when she was still, like, doing, like, she was pretty consistent in the film. Um, and it was like, oh, yeah, this is a surefire bet. Yeah, we'll, we'll take care of it. We'll, we'll fucking release it. And then they were watching, going, well, do we really want to release this for our name on it, guys? Do we? I mean, take a chance. Why not? I mean, in the end, sure, the film's a bomb, but, you know, there's always a, a chance. Yeah, or just, you know, maybe a good, just be like Disney, just be like, be at that point where you can just write off these failures as like, whatever. Yeah, I don't think every studio has that power, which would be awesome, but Disney could just be like, eh, $200 million, fuck it, we'll make it up with the next Marvel movie, we'll be fine. <laughs> like, we got a Star Wars show coming out, we got a new MC movie coming we'll be fine. Yeah. I think we got an animated film coming out? Oh, good box office and oscars but yeah we got this (laughs) yeah it's it's just you know i i I find it interesting that studios will invest so much time and money into a production and then when it's over they'll be like we don't want to do this anymore just like bye shut down good luck try again (laughs) well in this case the saviors or the people that to me have handled their films during the pandemic the worst, Paramount Pictures. Mm. Uh, they picked it up and ultimately released it in April 2007. So yeah, dumped in 2007. They actually released it like three short months later. So they, they got the ball rolling and it still flops. Like they, they got it out there, but it's still bombed. Like It used to be so quick. Like it used to be just, you know, movie gets dropped in 2007, movie gets picked up again, released a few months later. I feel like things have gotten so unnecessarily complicated over the past 
20 years and things used well, to be just I, bop, 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 didn't matter. Yeah, because now, nowadays it's like you hear a film gets dropped, you hear it gets picked up by a company, and then you're hearing, yeah, they're shopping around, they don't know if it's going to be theatrical or streaming or like PVOD, and I'm like, I think, it's, I think that's the issue. I think nowadays we live in a world where there's so many options, whereas it's like the only thing we can do is put this out in theaters. We have to get people to fucking see it or go straight to DVD. Make your pick. Um, now it's like, well, we can do theaters, we can do streaming, we can do fucking, you know, uh, pay-per-view, essentially, right, with, like, Prime and stuff like that. It's like, it's a matter of, like, what can we do to get this film out there on the best avenue possible now? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, I, I do like having access to so much, but I also just, I miss when things weren't so fucking complicated. Yes. Oh, trust me. If I talk about, like, as much as I like the convenience of streaming, I was actually talking to Josh about it, because uh, he was asking if people did the new video that's going to come out on theaters that tell me, like, nah, man, it's an HBO Max movie. And we had that conversation where I was like, look, don't get me wrong, like, streamers are convenient, and yes, on one hand, I'm happy in the case of, in this case, I'll kind of talk about Slasher Revival, that, you know, they can thrive on these streamers and have this creative feeling that the studios will not allow, um, and they are able to continue, but I still miss the fact that I'm missing my chance to see a lot of these guys that I would love to fucking see on the big screen, that I, in a lot of these cases, where I own the collections because streamers are so fucking stupid about physical media. I get a physical media release, and now my collections are incomplete. So it's like there is there is a side to where I'm like, go fuck yourself. Like, yeah. Well, next was didn't have to deal with that back in 2007 when we were just such wide-eyed idiots of like, ooh, movies. We weren't thinking about the nitty-gritty bullshit. We were just like, I'm gonna go see this new Nicolas Cage movie because I like Nicolas Cage. Then you walked out going, don't like that Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 2007, I think I was, what, I was 12. So I was just like, ah, nothing mattered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. I remember, I remember the main reason I wanted to watch this is actually less because of Nicolas Cage one because like Jessica Bill was in it and I have like a huge crush on her. So I was like, oh my God, Jessica Bill and Nicolas Cage? Oh, I think I remember seeing like a banner for next on a website and thinking like, Oh, I want to see that. And then I didn't. Like, I remember that back in the day being like, that looks neat. Cause I liked, you know, I was as, even as a 12 year old kid, I was like, I'd seen raising Arizona and I liked national treasure. So I was like, Oh, Nicholas cage. And then I didn't see next. So I don't know. Well, I got bomb, something else. So. Yeah. Like no one saw this movie. Nope. Until now, when I watched HBO Max for this podcast. Um, thank God, because I was getting tired of fucking renting movies. You know, I still technically had to rent movies for an upcoming Oscar Sunday. So I had to rent two movies. Well, one of which was a debacle, because I was like, shit, which version do I rent? God damn it. Oh, yeah. And you texted me, and I'm like, I don't care. Pick one. I didn't know if I didn't know if that was like when we had to watch. I was like, uh Well, I'm looking it up right now. Next week's movie is on Tubi, so we're gonna be fine. Oh, thank God. Yeah, I already forgot what next week's movie is. I don't know at the end. <laughs> Wait, no, I do know what next week's movie is. It came to me. All right. With that, unless there's anything to add, that's all I got for development hell. Like I said, not a lot to this one, mostly just like the script differences, which can, to me like explains why it feels like so much like shit is not fully explored. Yeah, definitely a lot got sliced and 
not enough got added and it's just this weird incomplete half-assed story that just introduces so much and doesn't give us any payoff at all nah nothing all right well that unless you got anything else said it is time to give out some awards which i feel like a lot of fun with this um first up zach snyder kind of timely because i just saw the screenshots for his new movie mm. your most anticipated film i know um yeah. all the the worst scene um this was tough um there's a couple contenders here um i ultimately went with the police chase from the casino uh for a number of reasons one isn't this guy supposed to be living low profile and two that has some of the most horrendous cgi I've ever seen the when the car gets hit by the train, it looked so embarrassingly fake. And I was just like, why is he ending up in a garage with Peter Falk? Who the fuck is Peter Falk in this movie? Is he his dad? Is he like a, a roommate? Who, who is this guy? Yeah. The, like There's such a waste. Film. I remember watching going like, there was no way, like it was one scene where he literally walks past two security guards and they act like they can't recognize him because of a hat. I'm like, are you fucking serious right now? Yeah, it was funny. Just and his solution, like, he left the casino. Like he was, he was home free, and then he steals a car. Like, didn't you? Couldn't you see that was a bad idea? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, couldn't you have just seen, kept walking? Maybe your whole fucking deal is you can see two minutes ahead, so you didn't see the massive police chase you were about to get into. Maybe yeah. keep walking was the best idea. Keep walking or drive the car slowly. That's what they do a lot of film. They just speed off. I'm like, have you ever thought that maybe if you just drove it like a regular car, like no one would be suspicious of the car speeding off in the fucking distance? Well, that also like there's so much camera footage of you fucking up this casino. Are you really expecting to just go back to work as Frank Cadillac tomorrow? <laughs> like for a precog, he's a goddamn idiot sometimes. Yeah. Well, you can only see two minutes. Only two. Only two, except when it's convenient. <laughs> yeah, it's real flimsy. Yeah, some weird rules. Who established these rules, and why can he do this? And why is Jessica Beale his like kryptonite? I don't know. Yeah, nobody yeah, does because they didn't fucking tell us. Yeah, they don't want to explain it. <laughs> if I ever meet Nicolas Cage. That's what I'm going to ask him because I know he established his own goddamn backstory for this guy. I bet he does that every single time. He's got oh, yeah. notes. I'm sure he has like the answers that we see for this movie. 100%. John, he just pulls out like a notebook, goes, I'm sorry, which movie again? Next? Oh, okay. Licks his, licks his thumb, takes us to 2007. It's like, all right, Ghost Rider. Next. Here we go. Uh, this is why. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he actually uh-huh. does that. It's a detailed analysis of all of his characters. He's like a method actor, but without the assholery. <laughs> you knew that would be a fucking hot button topic this past week and um our last week in film like holy shit you never know i'm i'm like i feel like i'm constantly playing some kind of hollywood bingo where it's like who had method acting who, who had it <laughs> like what are we getting pissed at this week <laughs> no. yeah Sorry. It, uh, yeah what was yours Mine was a nerd chase scene. I, I like you. I had a bunch of scenes right now. It's like, God, there's a lot of just terrible scenes. Mine was the chase down the mountain from the motel. 
with also the terrible looking CGI debris that comes along for the ride. I love that his solution was just leap off a fucking cliff and roll down. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> why? And then just to get caught at the end and still go to I was like, what point was this? What was the point? That's kind of the whole, like, I, I kept saying that the whole time. Because what we're doing, we're watching Cage avoid the FBI who are trying to recruit him to save, L, like, to save, I think it's, is it L.A.? L.A., yeah. It's always a bomb in L.A. with Cage, isn't it? Uh, to save L.A. from a nuclear bomb. And he's very much like, no. I, I could, but I won't. That's the I whole could. movie. Yeah, it's a nuclear bomb, which, you know, has far-reaching effects outside of LA, but I'm not doing anything about it. Well, and it's just weird that the entire FBI rallies behind Julianne Moore and her theory that this Vegas magician can see into the future, and that's the best use of FBI resources when terrorists have stolen an active nuclear bomb. Look, when you have Bobby leading the FBI, he will pursue any out-there lead. See his goddamn Bobby. Bobby Singer. What the fuck is Julianne Moore doing in this movie? Surely she had better things to do. Oh, I got more Julianne Moore in, in a bit. <laughs> but good choice. That was definitely an odd scene. Uh, just leaping down a hill, pulling a bunch of Old West artifacts with him. Right. That are clearly CGI, so it just looks terrible. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, next up on the awards, the Ed Wood of the worst line or lines. So I have two lines, and they're both uh, kind of flirty, you know, in love lines. Because I'm pretty sure the guy who wrote this has never flirted in his life. Uh, my first one comes real quick. It's uh, right when uh, Liz picks up Chris, and they're driving to Flagstaff. I think it was, and he goes, I like Rand. And she goes, I like Rand too. That's some gripping dialogue you got there. <laughs> that's that's really insightful on these characters. That's some real character development right there. You know what? At least they don't hate sand. Man, it, that's what's important. It gave off such I don't like sand vibes. This <laughs> is so bad. Um, and then my other one is I think it's when um she walks out of the bathroom with a towel on and he's like, wow. And he says, uh, there's an Italian painter named Carlotti and he uh, defined beauty. He said it was the summation of the parts working together in such a way that nothing needed to be added, taken away or altered. And that's you. You're beautiful. It's like, Jesus, tone it the fuck down. You just met. You're going to scare her. Yeah. Also, Jessica Boo is walking out with just a towel on, dude. Now you just be straight up be like, take that towel off. Like, yeah, she's clearly into you if you just walk, if she's doing that. Yeah, like, let's just get down to the agree. Jessica goddamn Bill is in a towel only. Like, don't be fucking lovey dovey here. Like, don't take that towel off. Let's, mm-hmm. just talking about this Italian painter, just like, that's weird and off putting. And just yeah. to add the like, and that's you, you're beautiful. Like, do you need that? No, you don't. And look, you say it, you're saying, I think whether it's your first time with someone or you're in a committed relationship, it's weird either way. I don't, I don't see any like long time couple that your girl's gonna look at you and be like, God, that was sweet. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? 
picturing like, you know, you're it's like, it's like your third date or something and you're getting to that point. And then all of a sudden you start saying like Leonardo da Vinci once painted this beautiful Mona Lisa and it represented his definition of beauty. And I think that's you like Jesus. It's, she's going to leave. Yeah, she's a terrible her. line. She's probably going to be like, look, what's the check? I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it sounded to me so like ham fisted and unnecessary. Like, wow. Okay. Uh, what do you got? I have three. Um, I had a field day with this one. Uh, a little bit of everything. So my first one was a third line that I just felt like, why? Why are we doing this? But I was like, oh, yeah, 2007. And that's when you get a random throwaway line from one of the FBI agents about Julianne Moore. And he literally, hey, is she single? Oh, okay. yeah, the, the casino guy. I remember that. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck does that have to do? Are you doing this because she was in Boogie Nights, bro? Are we just doing this because Julianne Moore was in Boogie Nights and no one wants to forget that? It's just like, what a, like, do we need, that's got nothing to do with her character. It's just like, ha, a woman FBI agent, ha, ha, we got to make a joke. Like, no, we don't. No. no. Yeah, I was like, this, this song is unnecessary. I don't, it, they never even talk about personal life. So I even fucking, okay. Uh, my second one also has to do with kind of what you were saying with the Robert Clay has not been in love, does not know how people talk. And it was shortly after they have sex, Nicolas Cage and um, Jessica Bill. And she looks him dead in the eye and goes, maybe there is such a thing as destiny. Oh, uh, uh, any woman, the first time I fucked her, said that to me, I'm running out the door. Well, not if it's Jessica Biel. I'm still running. At that point, I'm kind of scared. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's... I mean, at that point, I nutted, so I'm good. Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that was a that was a bad. It's it's movie logic. You know, they fall in love so quickly. That always happens in movies. Love stories never seem realistic because it's always so goddamn fast. Uh, but this especially was like, what, a day and a half? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> like, I'm telling you, any man would say after a day and a half of Matrix and then her first thing out of her mouth is maybe there is such a thing as Destiny. She's going to be a little freaked out. Like, you're going to be a little freaked out. You're going to be like, why did you just say that to me? What? Yeah, good one. That's a good one. Yeah. And then my my last one, my final one, has to do, which I'll actually explain more in our upcoming award with this particular character, but a line from Julianne Moore after the whole chase down the mountain, and he saves her from the falling debris, I should point out. The FBI, rest of the FBI goons somehow show up magically because they didn't all fucking die. <laughs> the mountaintop chase. Um, and she looks at him and to me delivers this line terribly, and that is a no good deed goes unpunished. Mm, yeah, that she keeps saying that to him. Yeah, I'm like, what? Like, first of all, I think her characterization is almost fucking terrible, but that line did not help. It was like he just saved you. So what the fuck are you saying right now? Julianne Moore is either Oscar worthy, incredible, or so fucking terrible. There's no middle ground with her. It's weird. <laughs> She's in like some masterpiece performances and then she does schlock like this. I, I don't get it. 
yeah, I'll see her like in Boogie Nights and then this and then Don John. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, so she's doing children of men. She wasn't, yeah, she wasn't that. Yeah, she's good in a lot of stuff, but you know, she also just do movies like this. Um, yeah, good, good call, good lines, good lines. Yeah, good lines in this regard. Um, for our next award, the Steven Cigar, it's the worst performance. I'll let you go first, as always. <laughs> My uh, to to me, this is this belongs to one person, and I blame entirely the complete lack of characterization of any kind. This goes to Thomas Kretzman, who plays our bad guy, who doesn't have a fucking name. We know nothing about this guy besides he's a French terrorist. And I know Thomas Kretzman can do better. I've seen Blade Two. I've seen Avengers: Age of Ultron. I've he's a good. I've seen Downfall. He's a good actor. King so, Kong. what the fuck happened here? He's He's given like three lines. He's not threatening in the slightest. He's just a vague mid 2000s terrorist. It's such a waste of his talent. And I just thought they, they, they did him wrong. They did him dirty. Yeah. I almost put him down because I'm with you. I don't blame him. I'm blaming the script we actually just talked about, which is like clearly they took out a lot of fucking villain development. They were like, yeah, we don't want you to be invested in the villains. That's crazy talk. Yeah. What a waste. Um, for me, I almost put him down last I go with someone else because as we talked about earlier with this actress, she can be really good. So I went with Julianne Moore. Mm-hmm. Who I couldn't tell if she was phoning it in, if the script was just that bad, or a mixture of both. But she is not good. Like one minute, she's like this antagonistic, like you know, SOB going after him next thing you know, she's like, We can help you. Let's get let's get your love of your life back. I'm like, what game are you playing here? <laughs> Whose side uh, are you on? Yeah, when she's got him hooked up like fucking Clockwork Orange, and then all of a sudden she starts feeling guilty about it. It's like, where's this coming from? Like you've been hunting this dude down all movie. <coughs> it's just yeah. I, and also, they, why was she hunting him down to begin with? Like, how'd she find out about this guy? And I have complete faith that he's the one that could stop it. That is a very good question. How did this FBI agent stumble upon a precognition who literally has a like, you know, goofy magic act in Vegas and convince anybody that he's the real deal and can help fight terrorists? <laughs> like she should have been immediately like demoted or censured or like given a psychiatric, you know, evaluation for suggesting that been, shit. Yeah, she should have been, they should have been like, all right, so you clearly watched a lot of X-Files. We want to send you down to the basement. <laughs> yeah it is a weird incredibly weird leap in logic and also you know the fbi does nothing else to look for this bomb they just devote everything to we gotta get this vegas magician he's the only way which is crazy because like they know it's in la they literally have the one city down they're like we know it's in la we have that much i'm like how can you not work from there you have it down to one city not all 50 states one goddamn city. I know Los Angeles is huge, but it's just one city. And also, this, it's a nuclear bomb on American soil. Like, are the CIA, the NSA just ignoring this? Like, maybe pull some resources, you know, look through some chatter, something. That's, you know, your first and last plan should not be possibly psychic Vegas magician. This is it. This is the only way, guys. 
unreal. Uh, yeah, I get it. Julian Moore can do better. That's that's the worst part is she can do better. She can. I've seen her do. We've seen her do better. Academy Award winning actress Julianne Moore can do better. We'll always have Boogie Nights, you know? We'll always have Boogie Nights. Yes, we will. I just got that on Blu-ray. Such a great movie. It's a really good movie. <laughs> I don't care all the people that are coming, all the people that are involved that are coming out, like, announcing it now, like, shut up. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. It gave, yeah, it gave you a much-needed career boost, Mark. Except that. Sorry you found Jesus, but it doesn't mean... <laughs> That your brief Jesus films are all bad. Don't Kurt Cameron yeah. this shit. Yeah, don't don't. The fact that somehow Mark Roberts went down the Father's Stew like Jesus right. I'm like, what the fuck happened here? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Just but, be proud. Of that. Be proud. Look, Mark Roberts, be proud of Boogie Nights, and be proud of that fake big dick you got. You got a fake BJ from Heather Graham, and that's more than Al can say. So, you 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 own that. <laughs> Throwback. I'm never leaving that one. <laughs> and he got a fake sex with uh, Julian Wall. So come on, man. Like you're winning. Did he keep the giant dick? I think he did. I would. Yeah, he probably burned it. Absolutely would. Yeah, I wouldn't even take it off till I got home. Be like, hey, you need to give that back. Fuck, I will. <laughs> you just make it part of your like daily regimen. You know, you got you know, you take a shower, you shave. You put on your clothes, you put on your fake dick, and you just, yeah. that's, just that's just who you are I, now. I, I clean it every day. I take care of that thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but yeah, Boogie Nights is a great movie. Yeah. Uh, not so great this movie. And our last bad award for the silver lining, the Michael Bay worst filmmaking decision. This was pretty immediate because I can't believe this film actually took this cop-out ending. It was all a dream. Really? We're doing that? We have the same same thing because I put the same damn thing. That is such an insulting ending. The entire third act didn't happen. And now he's just going to be like, all right, I'll help you out. And now he's going to go take care of shit because he can see so far into the future when he's holding Jessica Biel. I guess the more he fucks her, the hard, the faster he can, like, the, the, the further he can see. That's the, that's what I'm getting. Can you imagine, like, he is, like, mid-fuck and just having these visions? He's like, if he, do, if he, if he, goes, if he goes to the left a little bit, he's going to have three kids. If he goes to the right a little bit, L.A. is going to blow up. <laughs> it's like, what do I do? But he yeah, pulls out, up, this happens. If he doesn't pull out, this happens. Yeah, he's in constant, just like, uh, how do you focus? You can't focus. Like, I, I don't think he can, he can't finish. There's no way. With all what that going through did, your head, there's no way. What if he does finish, but then there's that Akramo where, like, they're, let's assume they're in doggy position, my scenario. They're just sitting there in that position, awkwardly not saying a word because he is still mid visions. <laughs> the visions cause him to, like, sees <laughs> he just grabs <laughs> like anyway um For some reason i'm now thinking of that scene in hatchet too when they're doing it doggy and <laughs> he cuts his head off and he just fucking starts like you know rigor mortis like just fucking oh my god going crazy yeah well anyway it was just such a lazy way to end the movie just like eh, fuck it we'll let them figure it out yeah, that's what basically like 
it's a lazy way if we don't know if he succeeds or not. Because he even has that line, like, once you see the future, it changes. So I'm like, well, wait, what? <laughs> so this is a meaningless power then? Like, if all you can see is the possibilities, then, I mean, what do you really get out of this? Fucking Jessica Bill. I, know, I, I love when he has to, like, figure out exactly what to say to her to pick her up at the diner. I almost had that scene after my worst scene. I was like, are you serious? This is what we use our powers for? I'm her future. That's what you're going to go with? Yeah. I'm like, I'm her future. That's not creepy at all. Stalker dude never came back into the picture. He just disappeared. Yeah. I mean, he seemed pretty fucking determined. Hmm. Weird. He wanted to have some Jessica Bill. That's what he wanted. Peter Falk vanishes. There's so much just goes away. So much. We never really get explained why the FBI has that fucking room, that clockwork orange room. That's never explained. It's just like, yeah, of course they have that. Like, well, wait, wait a minute. Why the fuck do they have this room? Their solution is to just hook Chris up to this machine and put on the noose. That's that's how they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna figure this out. What a weird scenario. Oh, God. I feel like the, the writer does not know how, exactly how the FBI works either. No, or apparently how Philip K. Dick's stories are supposed to go at all. Yeah, what a waste. And yeah, I just, it was, uh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, well, the lessons will be learned here, audience members, is that if there's one storyline you should never, ever, ever do, is it was all a dream or a vision or insert whatever it was into that scenario because that's just a good way to piss us off. Yeah, it's the ultimate cop out. It just shows that you you don't care. So why are we gonna care? Such yeah. a lazy trope. I hate it so much. Has it ever worked? No, I remember that's how fans got pissed off at that show. I think uh, Newhart or whatever, Bob, one of Bob Newhart show. Yeah, I remember you that. Up, yeah, you woke up at the end of it and was like, oh, I had a crazy dream. I was like. I can't imagine. To me, that would hurt more. Like a movie, like it, it's like okay, well, fuck you. But it's one movie I sat down and watched, seasons upon seasons. Like I don't know how long the show lasted, yeah. but you dedicate seasons to this. In this case, a sitcom that you find hilarious, funny. You're like ah ha ha, and it's coming to an end, and that's how they explain everything. I'd be like, what the fuck? Fuck you. I think the weirdest one was Saint Elsewhere. Do you know about that? No. That was a medical drama in the 90s. It was how Denzel Washington got his start. And um, it was the late 80s, early 90s. But the show was like a serious medical drama for a few seasons. And the way it ended was that the entire show was happening in the mind of an autistic child somewhere in like the real world. And he was looking at a snow globe that had a hospital in it. And the whole thing was like his imagination of like what's going on in this hospital in his snow globe. What people were confused to say the least. I would be too. Yeah, what a weird way to go. All right. Uh, yeah. So it was all a dream. Stop doing that. We don't like it. We don't. It's it's a it's a cop out. Um. That that's probably. I can't find a way to segue from that. But uh, let's talk about silver linings. I think we um, all. I was about to say, what, what, what was yours? I think we all know 
the only th- good thing we get out of this movie. And that's Nicolas Cage. He cares. He commits. And he manages to turn this guy who is kind of a prick into a fairly likable dude just because that's who he is. So my silver lining is the fact that Cage really does commit. That was, that was you know, that's good. And I almost put him down. I was like, let me go outside the box. Okay. Um, so if Maya went outside the box, not by a large margin, you're, you're going to be like, of course he did. Um, as soon as I say it. Uh, and that was a fact that I just find Jessica Bell incredibly attractive. She's hot. Whoa, wait, hold on. You have a thing for Jessica Biel? Wow. What a, this is me shocked right here. I, I'd never heard this before. I know. Shocking. At least you own this shit. Yeah. All right. I will own my fucking crushes. I have no issues. Like, cause it's like, look, I, I am fully aware. I can find just feel hot as much as I want. I can fantasize as much as I want. And I have, um, but I know at the end of the day, I'm not going to creepily stalk her and mess. That's weird. She doesn't know me. She's happily married to Justin Timberlake, I'm assuming, so we're still married. But I can find her hot. And same with any other actress I find hot. I have love no issue being upfront about it. I'm just not creepy. Jesus Christ, I'm not stalking them like weirdo. I would love if Justin Timberlake showed up at your place and was like, stop talking about my goddamn wife. Keep, right? like, keep that's my like, wife's like, name out your fucking mouth. <laughs> Then she pops up at you. He's like, "You're the only one in this apartment." Yes. Okay. Good. I'll be by later. My God, that's her. That's her kink is watching her husband berate people who find her attractive. Well, in that case, you're gonna you're gonna have an interesting time, aren't you? I'll say if that was real, like I would be okay with. I'd be like, "Yeah, berate me as much as you want." My God. Yeah. I'm. I've never really considered her a particularly great actress, but you know, then again, I don't watch a lot of her work. I have. Seen, I've seen a good amount that I actually do want to watch. She's not the best pick. She's not the best when it comes to picking movies. I'll say it. She's not. Yeah, not fair enough. Best. But yeah, that's like I said. I, I'm with you with Cage. He does come in. You know, you don't really get like a a, a Cage freak guy. He's very subdued in this one. Um, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, um, but I mean, he at least is still, you can tell he's committing, so he's trying. But I just wanted, I was like, look, if I, because we're going to be doing, I'm foreseeing a future of more of these Cage era films, and that could ideally be the server lining on every single one of these. So I was like, let me go outside the box. Unfortunately, as I was watching, I was like, there's like nothing else I really like in this damn movie anyway. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going back to childhood crush. Jessica Bill's hot. That's my server lining. I got to look at Jessica Bill. I had exactly the same thought. Like, there's nothing in this movie that I really find, like, good. So I just went with a default of, like, you know what? Cage cared. So I don't have to. (laughs) Yeah, I just get into my base and snakes and went. Yeah, I guess you're uh, with the uh, the tower on my naked body. So fuck it. That's what I'll go with. All right. (laughs) There it is. Next. I'm a simple, I'm a simple man. Um, I'm a simple man that wants to now find out what's in the box. Fucking yes, segue there. What's in the fucking box? Uh, this film's pretty reviled. Uh, 
not a lot of love. Um, 2.4 stars out of five on Letterboxd. The same exact score as Nothing But Trouble, which I consider to be con- way worse. So that's, that's high praise. Yeah, it's pretty arbitrary. <laughs> it's high praise. Nice. <laughs> so watch that skate every so often. It's fucking hilarious. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, so I have five, and they're, I think they're all pretty funny. So let's see what you think. Number one, this is from Jenna. Nick's hairstylist for this movie woke up and chose violence. Two stars. <laughs> it is a terrible hairpiece. Whatever was going on there, like, why just let him have his hair? Why do you got to do that? Long hair does not work on that, dude. I'll say oh, that. God, no. But they keep doing it. He keeps accepting that. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, it does not work. Like, look, as much as I love, on the flip side of this, Connor, right? Love that movie. Great fucking movie. Long hair does not work on him. Also, the start of accident, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> but the only one it worked with was Pig because he was supposed to be just fucking, you know, despondent and given up. Yeah, it worked because of the story that was being told. Yeah. Well, weird. I don't know. I see nothing wrong with Cage's hairstyle at the moment, so I don't know why they they keep insisting he. I don't know. Is it him? Is it? Does he keep thinking like I need long hair for this? I can't be a sorcerer unless I have a mane going. So I read the script, really studied the character, and I really think he needs to have long, luscious locks of hair. I don't know. I got nothing. Um, You'll like this one. This is from Chaotic Neutral. Julianne Moore, what the fuck are you doing in this movie? One star. (laughs) I think we all asked that. Yeah. As soon as I was like, oh, at first I was like, oh, cool, Julianne Moore. And asked me when I was like, why is she in this terrible fucking movie? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number three, this is from Edith. Nicolas Cage is ubermensch, and the world revolves around him as the FBI task force spends possibly a million to locate him before we can even worry about finding the nuclear bomb that will take out L.A. He can't help stop this bomb because the childhood flashcard abuse. Jessica Biel plays a lady. One star. Jessica Biel plays a lady. I like Yeah, it's good. Good point. Like, what's why do we invest anything in this? It's clearly just made up on the fly. It doesn't make any sense. And he's practically a god. <laughs> yeah, it's it is amazing how much money is clearly spent not finding the bomb, but hunting Cage down. It is amazing. Um, number four. This is from Ash. Next is what I say when someone is going through movies to watch and suggest this. One star. <laughs> I like, I like what you did there. Next. No. <laughs> it's oh god. I got I got reminded of um of this damn show when I was watching something. But there was like a I forget what I think it was called Next also. I forget. But it used to be on MTV it was when dating shows were like the rage and the, the setup was like a bus would roll up. Person would walk out of the bus and the person would hear and the person would literally go like this, next. And like send that person off and then no person had to come out the bus. My God, that is, it sounds exactly like something MTV would green light. Yeah. And for some reason, I was reminded of that with this, this man's very funny take on the movie. My God. Popped out of the bus. He went, yeah, next. That's so mean. That shit out of here. Jesus. That's so demeaning. Uh, and this one's from Lucia underscore Sang. 
The real science fiction here is a magician getting pussy. Two stars. <laughs> not my words. That's some Lucia. He's <laughs> not wrong. I don't know many magicians here that get. Well, he's in Vegas. I, I feel like that's the one place they would get laid. Unless you're David Copperfield or like Chris Angel or one of these like mega millionaire magicians, you're not pulling. No. I was going to say, have you seen Chris Angel? Like, even Alex, I was like, yeah, I can see. I can see how a woman would fucking fall for that. I get it. I feel like he's dirty. I feel like he smells like cigarettes. Ugh. I don't know. I don't know what he does. I, the dude is, I, I don't know. I don't keep up with Chris Angel in real life. I just know he's a magician. That had a show that I used to watch called Mind Freaks. I did enjoy it. And he has a consistent show in Vegas. That's all I know. Good for you. I've always wanted to see David Copperfield live. I've heard his show is unbelievable. But, you know, I'm not going to pay, like, real money to see a magician. <laughs> Dude, when you think about, like, being a celebrity in Vegas, kind of rules. Like, if you get it, like, are able to pull off a show that people constantly come to, you're set for fucking life. Your job is to live in a luxurious fucking home or usually me in a penthouse in the very same damn building you work at. And then you just go downstairs, do a show for a night, go your happy ass back upstairs, go to sleep. If you can figure out how to nail a Frank Sinatra impression, you're going to have a very good time in Vegas. <laughs> so you get into a Rat Pack show, you sing, you know, ain't that a kick in the head a few times a week. Easy street. <laughs> If you have trans being a, a legal pimp, just go to Vegas. It, it's a weird little like uber sinful bubble in the in America that everyone just kind of accepts. It's a very strange situation. The Wild West of America, and I'm proud of Vegas. Yeah, I've been there a couple times. Sorry, I'm kind of over it, honestly. I've never been, and I honestly have no intention to go. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't that's. Gamble. I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to hold on to the fact that I haven't had to pay for sex yet. So it's like, <laughs> I'm kind of good. I'm, I, I, I had some luck on the slots last time I went. I won about 200 bucks on the Wheel of Fortune slot. That was fun. That's nice. But the food sucks and people are phony as shit. And it's just yeah. not fun. Every time I've gone, I've gone with family and that's just not fun. That's true too. Especially didn't see Ben Affleck and his gambling addiction there at any point. I'm pretty sure he has his own little private room so his kids can't come in there and bother him. Yeah, you know, he doesn't want to get smarter by his kids and ex-wife that took him to AA meeting still. God. Well, I hope he's happy with his, you know, other chick named Jennifer that he's super into. That's his, that's his type. Hot Jennifers. <laughs> he likes his, yeah. yeah. Really likes Jennifers. They are going to be the douchiest couple in Hollywood. Yeah, they are. I give, it a, I give it a year. I'll give it <laughs> six months. <laughs> You're probably right. Uh, so that's what's in the box. Yeah, this is not a, a cult favorite. This is just one that got buried and probably should have stayed. Yeah, this is not <sighs> a lot of messes with this film. Um, I do like how short street to the point those um, Reviews were because that's I don't see how you can give off a soliloquy with this particular movie. No, I'm I'm glad that this is uh probably the last time anybody's ever going to talk about this movie. Honestly, yeah, I'm not watching this again. So, 
I've now seen the cage from that's just Bill. I, my life, I guess, is somewhat complete. I don't know. Um, <sighs> but that, before I, re- before I reveal what's next week's episode, let's do the social media stuff as per usual. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. If you want to shoot us a recommendation, um, feel free to email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. You still have a very lucky window right now to possibly get a recommendation in because I have yet to do the schedule for the back half of the year anyway. Um, we'll be sitting down soon doing that. So, hey, so got one window there, folks. Um, if you'd like to donate and support us in any way, you can find us on Anchor. And finally, feel free to go on our website, filmgasm.com. For reviews, shows, articles, and all of our episodes, I believe uh, article a draft. That's right. From a recent Oscar Sunday was recently uploaded to the site. If you want to check out that draft that they did for Harry Potter, yeah, <coughs> that was fun. Hard to narrow it down, but fun. Yeah, I listened to this episode. Of, I would have kept Dobby, but that's, uh, well, no. So that's, that's all I can I say. Kept, I would have kept Dobby. I'm just saying, I like Dobby. Good, good for you. I, I, I like other people better. Dobby is a Dobby's a G. Um, next week we'll be going into Hannibal territory with the one that's hated by fans, critics like this is beyond the bad. I don't get to pick the good ones for this show. Um, we're gonna be doing Hannibal Rising. On Filmgasm, we will be doing a good one, um, an actually pretty, I think, a well-loved one in the fran- uh, franchise, the prequel film, uh, Red Dragon, which I have actually not seen all the way through, so it'll be a first-time watch for me. I'm very excited um, to see this one finally. Um, on Oscar Sunday, they will be talking about the uh, weird, yet oddly hypnotizing, sophomore effort from Robert Eggers, The Lighthouse. So uh, we are kind of breaking the, the animal love there. But it's fine. And finally, I'll sneak preview. Well, we are on the weekend that I know for I'm sure Austin's by um, agrees with us, but one of our most anticipated movie weekends of the year. We are getting two just fucking great looking films I've been waiting for. The first up is a hugely epic Viking film from Robert Eggers, The Northman. Fucking cannot wait. And then, as I have in my my notes, the cagiest film that has ever caged, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Dear God, can I not wait for both of these movies? I, I can't get over that title. I love that title so much. The unbearable weight of massive talent. I can't wait to see how they incorporate that into the film. It's going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. I, I cannot wait. But until then, if you can see two minutes into your own future, try staying on the radar better. Don't want the FBI in a vague, not clearly defined terrorist organization coming after you. See you next week on Beyond the Bat. Thank you.